So uh, we've been talking to you about uh, different aspects of healing. And the Lord told me to talk to you about faith today and probably for the next several weeks. Faith, your faith will make you whole. Your faith will make you whole. Your faith will make you whole. So we've got to, and listen, faith is not hard. Get that out of your thinking. And I know that I'm not very um, wordy. I mean, maybe you think I am, but I mean like intellectual wordy. I put down on there. A third grader could understand me unless they're just not listening. Even below that, they can understand me. Because I'm not a wordy person. And so, listen, faith is easy. Don't make it hard. You just have to get the principles down and start working the principles. You've already been given faith by God when you got saved. I don't have time to teach that today, but you, you did. Peter tells us that. And Paul tells us that in Romans. You know, we've been given the measure of faith. But that measure could be added to. That measure could be built up. That faith you have can be added to. So just remember, your faith can make you whole. We studied last week. I don't know what I'm confused now. If I studied on Paul's thorn last week or hope. But hope is not faith. We've established that. If you just have hope, uh, you could have hope all you want and still die sick and die broke and die confused because you have to have something for faith to work on. Hope is like a blueprint or like a thermostat. I think Diana said something to Jenny earlier. It was hot in here. She went back and tweaked something or hit something. That brings cool air to us. You see what I'm saying? The thermostat didn't do it. It just sent the signal. It doesn't have the power in that little thermostat to cool this room. But there's units sitting outside this building that are wired to that that have the power to crank things up and bring them through the vents. That's what faith does. It brings things to you that you set your dial on. But you have to have an image and a dream first for faith to work on it or you don't ever get it. I've heard people say, well, God's going to heal me someday. He's not. That's not the way God does things. That's a hoping and wishing. He don't, there's nothing in the Bible about wishing. When you pray, you have to believe you receive. didn't say you had to, had to see it, but you have to believe you have it at that moment. That's has to be a point in time when you believe you receive. And then from that moment on, you start talking right, changing your confession. I believe I received, so I'm call, I have it. I thank you, Father, for providing whatever and say whatever that was you're believing for. All right, so let's talk about this so your faith will make you whole. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. God's will is wholeness. W-H-O-L-E-N-E-S. God's will is wholeness for man. We're going to read a scripture here in just a second, 1 Thessalonians 5. And we would say it this way, God's will is wholeness and soundness in every area of life. God wants you to be sound mentally. He wants you to be sound emotionally. He wants you to be sound financially. He wants you to be sound physically. He wants you to be sound in your talking. I think Timothy's, uh, Paul told him, Use sound words, not funny words, sound words. I don't ever kid about sickness and disease or anything else if if it's dangerous. I don't kid much at all, period, but that's just my nature more than some. But I've been careful about what I say about things because I know my words carry authority. Of course, I've studied that a lot, maybe more than others. I don't know. Maybe you've studied it like I have. But if you know that, you're responsible to not just let your mouth wander around, just say anything you want like your relatives do. 
you know, then they act like they're so spiritual. I know. I got some too. Okay, 1 Thessalonians 5. God's will is wholeness and wellness in every area of your life. I'm going to read it to you. And the very God of peace, verse 23, uh, 523, 1 Thessalonians, isn't that what I ask you? 523, yes. The very God of peace, notice that he's the God of peace. Well, that's already encouraging me. Sanctify you wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y. This is not H-O-L-Y, but completely. We would, the better word there would be completely. God would, would uh, sanctify, or this, it's a religious word, but it just means set you apart entirely. Your whole spirit, your whole soul, and your whole body. What's the next word? Preserve blameless. That's a poor translation. The word blameless is sound in the Greek. Preserve sound, your whole spirit, your whole soul, your whole body. Your spirit man is the real you. Your spirit man is the part of you that gets reborn. Then your soul man is the part of you, like when we're teaching, that it should be renewing your mind by me speaking it to you. And then you take these things home and put them to practice every day you live, and you'll renew your mind even quicker. And you have to stay in the Word with me. You can't just go home, throw your Bible in the corner. Well, you could do that. But you won't help your mind any. You'll be like everybody else broke down in a little while because the devil will see he covers you up. But if you stay with it, it gets your soul. It gets your mind, your will, and emotions. That's the components in the soulish area. Solical. The Greek word is suitcase, where we get psychology, psychiatry, all the mental health groupings of you know names like that. I'm not making fun, but that's where we get it. It's the soul of man, his mind, his will, and his emotions. Some people are not very sound at all emotionally. They're driven by their emotions. They're controlled by their emotions. Some people don't think straight. Some people just don't think good. But see, you, this is what I'm showing you. God's will for you and me is to be completely sound in my spirit, which is the part of me that's the real me, and it's the part of me that God redeemed, but he also redeemed my soul if I'll take the word and renew my mind to that. It affects the way I think and my emotional makeup and my desires and all that kind of stuff is affected by that. Amen. And that's a really important issue because, I mean, they sell billions and billions and billions of dollars worth of narcotics in our country, legal and illegal, for mental health issues. I see seven, eight commercials in one night on TV with them, so there's a lot of people messed up. And, uh, and I'm not making fun. If you need to take medicine, take it, but I wouldn't do it as a lifestyle. You know, because there's a better way. You have a way of escape, but you can't do it always momentarily. If you've piled in stuff in your life and let everybody else control your thoughts and beat you up and hurt you, which a lot of time people have, maybe a person didn't mean to do that, but you're just so sensitive about everything, it just beats the tar out of you, and then you break down, then you got problems, then you go to the doctor. And see, well, I'm telling you, you don't have to stay on medication your whole life. You don't want to. If you need it, take it. Take it in the name of you. But stay with me and learn something here. God wants you well in your spirit, your soul, and your body. I'm really talking about wholeness here, but I'm talking about healing specifically today. It says healing and be preserved sound. Notice this, unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We all think, well, when he comes in a twinkling of eye, I'll be changed. That's not what he's talking about. He didn't say that. He said until he comes. You know, you, some of you were sitting here when I came through that door. Some of you came late, but whatever. But anyway, until he comes. 
I'm just using me as an illustration. Until Jesus comes, he wants to keep us safe now and sound now until he comes. That's kind of a lazy way to live. I'm going to just breathe God. When he comes, he's going to change. Well, he's going to change, okay. But you're going to be judged for how you lived out in the earth down here. You know, don't be an old lazy outfit. Even when I was a drug addict, I got tired of using my money to let everybody else get drunk and high. I wanted them to work and put some money in the fund. How many know what I'm saying here? A few people are honest. Just a few. Nobody's saying much now. Huh? I said the rest of us didn't do that. rest of us didn't do that. Yeah. You're listening to me? Thank you, Joe. I mean, I'll buy you dope for a while, but you're going to have to buy some for me. Come on now. I'm just back in the drug days. I'll carry you for a while in this church even, but I can't. You're not going to ride my coattail all the way through, baby. If I could have done that, there'd be some people sitting here today that already went to heaven. Because I loved them dearly and tried to change the best I could to help them. And I'm just talking about our church here, Church on the Rock. But anyway, what I'm saying is God wants you preserved sound until he comes. Get that in your head, what the Bible really says there. Not when he comes. Anybody can live a life and be messed up and just, well, praise God, one of these, in the, you know. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. And, and I would always say, what about the lousy here and now? You got any help for me now? And God spoke to me. This is a long time ago. I was a little Baptist boy, a little ex-drug addict boy, just barely saved, being a drug addict. Not a drug play with it party person, but a drug addict and drug dealer and crazy. I said, what about the old rotten here and now? You got any help for me? I got plenty of help for you, son. You just don't know about it yet. That's what he told me in the Baptist church. They gave me the best they had. What they had was very little compared to what I teach you, my opinion. I'm not, I'm not competing with the Baptists around the city. That's none of my business, Methodist, Catholic, any of them. I'm just being who I am. But I found these truths out because I studied my Bible for myself so somebody else didn't have to teach me. I was teachable, and I've had good teachers through the, my life now. You know, got hooked up with Dr. Dufresne and, of course, got around Brother Hagen. you know, his writings and teachings, and Brother Copeland and some others. But, you know, I'm just talking to you here. God wants you to preserve sound until he comes. So don't put everything off. See, there you go back. Well, one of these days I'm going to get it together. How about today? How about just make the decision? You don't have to know every answer to every question, but I'm just singing that song. <laughs> he split the sea so I could walk right through it. I wasn't thinking about Moses and those deals back there. I think about me today. He's splitting some seas for me because I need to get through to the other side. It's a bunch of stuff I'm not going to tell you about. Spiritual man doesn't tell his problems to people. He tells them to God and works it out with him. I've got a lot of things on my plate. I, he split the sea so I could walk. And he drowned all my fears. And Boy, they've tried to come in perfect love. See, I'm not singing just so you can see my lips moving or they can see me. I could care less. I'm not performing for anybody here. You can forget that. I'm not a performance person for you. I'm performing for God and not just performing, but because of sincerity in my heart, lifting my hands when I want to and when I need to, and even if I don't want to. Praise God, I worship you, Father. You split the sea so I could walk right through it. You drowned all my fears in perfect love. I am a child of God. I'm not just a church attender. Oh, my God, I left that 35 years ago, 38 years ago, 40 years ago, maybe, maybe further back. 
I wanted to be more than a, just a church attender, a hanger honor person. They went home and nothing ever changed. Just kept dragged at my Bible and come in when the bell rings and go home. I didn't like that mentality back then. I, I don't like it even more now. If the word's not changing you, God didn't fail. That's on your side of the spectrum. You're failing somewhere. You're not either knowing enough or you're not applying enough or not doing enough. I'm not rebuking you. I'm trying to tell you how to get ahead here. I just told you I got a lot on my plate. If I told you, you'd be shocked. But I'm just saying to you, this is how I live. This is how I move forward in my life. I don't let stuff stop me down. Yeah, I get in the Bible and get some scriptures, get ammunition. Yeah. All right. So God wants us whole or well or sound in our spirit. First of all, you need to get born again. If you're not born again, today you need to do that. And like I was telling you, even if you don't have all the answers for what you're facing, you feel like you got a lot of issues, maybe you do, or several things that are major in your thinking, you can make the decision, I'm going to get to the other side. And that's one of my sayings that I've said for many, 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 many years. I'm going to get to the other side of this. And like Jesus, sometimes I lay down in the boat and go to sleep. And everybody else is trying to worry about it. I'm not going to worry with you. I love you. I'll do all I can to help you, get you delivered, minister to you for whatever it is you need. And I am not going to worry about you one minute. You know why? Because if I was a drug addict and an adulterer, you wouldn't respect me. Why would you respect me if I was a worry person? You just got your thing set up wrong in your brain. It's okay to worry. No, it's not okay. Worry is a sin. If you don't know it now, I can help you. I'm giving you a clue. It's a sin. It's a big sin. And Jesus appeared to us in Russia when I was with a group in St. Petersburg. Coming down the steps, Jesus appeared. And he said, my people don't receive much from me because they're in worry. And he was crying. Jesus was crying. I don't care if you like it or not. It's the truth. I was there. About 12 of us preachers. <laughs> my God. Jesus was crying. My people don't get much from me because they worry. It's a sin to worry, brother, sister. What about getting drunk? That's a sin, too, because it'll make you, it tears down your innovations and does, makes you do weird things and partake of things you're sorry about and ashamed of later. Same with drugs and same with running with the wrong people. They influence you. Run with somebody who knows God better than you. How about just coming to church and listen to me each Sunday for a while, at least, you know, while I'm here, and then there's others going to preach in a few weeks. But what I'm trying to say is God wants you well. I, want, I think that should encourage you. I don't see many smiles. Uh, Suzanne's smiling. These folks are smiling. These folks, okay. I'm pointing. Everybody's lifting. I mean, wouldn't it be terrible coming here? God never knows what he wants you to do. He just doesn't care if you fail or succeed. It don't matter to him. What kind of deal is that? No, God wants you to succeed. Now, I'm talking to you personally. Let's, let's be careful here. I cannot control other people. Get that out of your head that you're going to make everything right for everybody. You're not. I can't even make things right for her. I can help her in a lot of ways. I'm my wife. I'm in covenant with her. I mean, I'm her husband. I'm her covering spiritually. But if she rebels against things, I can't help her. How many of you understand that? 
So I, I'm not a cure-all for everybody. I'm talking about you personally. Get it in your head. I'm talking to you personally, singly, right now, that you could be sound in this earth until he comes. You don't have to keep putting it off and waiting. And if you need help, go to the doctor. That's what I do if I need help and I can't get it supernaturally. I'll go and get some help. But I'm saying to you, God's putting it in his word for he wants to make us whole and he makes us sound. I had a word of knowledge one time in a church up in Indiana. I never went back. I'm glad they never had me back. I didn't want to go. But I had a word about migraine headaches. There must have been 40 people in that line. I never, had a, I never seen a line with 40 people with migraine headaches for. I prayed for about uh, 20 of them, maybe 25. And I got to this young boy. He was a big old boy. I mean, he was 14, but he was huge. I mean, you know, tall guy, 6'2", probably weighed 240, he's 14 years old. When I got to him, God gave me a word of knowledge that said, you have migraines because you have an imbalance in the chemicals in your brain. Man, that place came alive like, my God, what did I do? What did I say? And they knew this young boy had been to the doctor and he had a chemical imbalance in his brain. I prayed for him, God healed him. And his daddy, who I don't think any of those people believed anything when I first got there about healing. And the guy that asked me to come, he was a friend of mine, knew me, but that was a new church to him. He'd only been there a month. So, you know, you got to give people a chance to catch up with all this. But I noticed people got their other kids and their mates and put them in line after I got that word because they realized I didn't know that boy. Pastor didn't even know that was what was wrong with him. But the people did and his daddy did. And he went and got his sister and put her in line. I don't know if it's for headaches, but he went and got her after he saw what the Lord said through me to his son who knew I didn't know him. I'd never met him before in my life. See, and what did God do? He corrected the chemical imbalance in his brain. If I could do that for everybody, I would, but I had a word from God. Some people think the prophet can do everything, knows everything. That's not true. I wish I'd teach you on that, but don't have time. But the prophet only can deal what God revealed, and sometimes he hides things from us. He doesn't reveal everything to the prophet. Just It's a word of knowledge. I, you know what I mean? I didn't know how old the kid was. I didn't know how much he weighed. I just guessing when I told you because he's a big old boy. And I didn't know who his parents were, if he had siblings or where he lived or if he had a car or, you know, whatever. Who mowed the grass at the house. I don't know all that stuff. <laughs> Just to help you understand something. All right. Now, we're talking about wholeness and soundness. Your faith is your victory. Your faith, turn to 1 John 5. Your faith is your victory. Let's look at this. You remember I said to you recently, and I say it quite often because it needs to be repeated, and that is some things in the Bible are just more important than other things. Nothing is not important, but some things are more important. I notice if you have an accident on the, on the road or you get hurt at work and they call for emergical medical people, when they get to you, they check you if you're breathing and you have a pulse. <laughs> I've, I've seen people do that in a lot of shows and even in situations that I've seen it, that happen. Because they want to know, if you're not breathing, we got to help that. And if your heart's not, you know, beating, we got to take care of that. Because that's serious stuff. Or, you know, however, whatever you're doing. Some things are just more important. Like their son ran into a rock sledding in Colorado. I don't know how fast he's going, maybe 60 mile an hour, 50. I don't know. He flipped over and flipped and he slammed into a big old boulder. Face and body. Totally just totally messed, bleeding so much when they rolled him over that he was strangling in his own blood from all the con blood, you know, from the face trauma and all that. 
It broke other parts of his body too pretty bad. But a fireman happened to be standing by, by the Spirit of God, and he turned him over real quick and cleared his airway so he could get some breath. They called the medevac people, came and took him, put him on a helicopter, took him away. I met those people later with Les and Mary. They came to the hospital. They didn't think he would make it. He, what did he call that, blue-lined up on the, on the what it, flat-lined on the helicopter. He quit breathing. Had to paddle him a couple times, I think they said. That's what they said in the, to me in the hallway that day. And we didn't think he was going to make it because that was critical that he keep breathing. Not the fact that his pelvis was broke or his hip was smashed or he had... Had a lot of facial surgery. I was there when they did it. 13 hours of surgery, 47 screws and 10 plates just to fix his face. Lung was punctured. I mean, just all kinds of bleeding out of his aorta, artery that goes into your brain, no way to stop it. I mean, just, and we just kept using our faith. Every day, everything that arose, we put our faith on it. Hallelujah. And he's alive today in a pastor. He was just here with us a few weeks ago in my meeting. See, your faith is your victory. That's what I'm trying to say to you. Your faith is your victory. And really, it wasn't about me as much as it was about this family here came up under a faith ministry and they knew how to believe God. Les and Mary. And Les called me and told me about the accident at my home. I was his pastor. I'm still his man of God. Jordan's his pastor, but I'm still connected here. And called me and told me what had happened. I said, well, let me, I'm going to go pray. I'll call you back in about an hour or sooner. I went upstairs at the time my office was upstairs, and I went and prayed, and the Lord gave me Psalm 41. And I said, he'll live and not die, and he'll heal him, get him healed up. And, I mean, at that time, he was so busted up. I mean, all kinds of stuff. In the ICU unit that had a nurse or two attached to every, vic- every person in a room. Now, they would just come in and check him. Somebody's attached to him like, regularly, moment by moment, because a lot of those people... I was in the waiting room with them for a day and a half. A lot of those people, they came in and talked, and everybody's crying because, you know, somebody let go, somebody let had to go, whatever. Couldn't just get them turned around. But we're talking here about stuff. Your faith can make you And they knew how to believe God. It wasn't just me. It was them. They knew they could get on the other side of it. See, we're talking about getting on the other side. We're talking about your faith can make you whole. Anybody listening to me? Okay, let's look at the verse, 1 John 5 and 4, verse 4. Whatsoever is born of God, and it'd really be better to say whosoever is born of God, overcometh the world, because you and I are not a whatsoever. Remember, the Bible was originally written in Greek, and this is a translation into English, but whosoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith, and even in, even in the original in the Greek, it just says, uh, this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. He's not talking about mountains and trees and stuff. He's talking about the world system. We overcome the world system by going into God's system. And we do that by faith. Faith in God takes care of all that as we begin to do. Without faith, you cannot overcome. Without faith, you cannot have victory. Somebody say, what about love? Well, what about it? I'm not talking about it. Right now. I know the Bible says the greatest of these is love, but let me tell you, God's not just responding just to love. He's responding to your faith. You do need to walk by love and in love with God because faith worketh by love. It helps your faith to work to have love. 
but I don't hear Jesus saying, your love has healed you. I don't ever, I've read the New Testament through many, 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 many times. In the Gospels, Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. According to your faith being unto you, not according to your love. It's important to have love. Hope's important too, to have hope that you will be. Or something, you know, will be if you don't know it's God's will yet, that you will be healed. But you've got to get to the place where you know it's God's will. And that's why we keep going over these scriptures. Hallelujah. God's got an answer for us. He hadn't left us out in the dark. Hallelujah. So let me repeat this. Victory over the world comes by faith. Without faith, you cannot overcome. Without faith, you cannot have victory. And there's two different ways entirely. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I hope we're getting something today. I'm doing my best to teach you about the world's way of thinking and God's way of doing. Because it's faith runs by a different system than this world. See, the world system's the world system. <laughs> you know. I mean, I appreciate America. I love America. I've been all over the world, whatever. And I think America's wonderful. It's got some problems. Doesn't everybody. And every country has them. They're not throwing, you know, grenades in the street and stuff like that. At least here they're not. Anyway. But anyway, I'm just saying that my salvation is not in my government. I got a wonderful wife who loves me. Got two wonderful children. They're sitting up here. They love me. But you know, they're not my savior. I got wonderful spiritual children. Got churches all over the world, you know, different ones that look to me as a father. And that, I appreciate it. But, you know, they're not my savior and I'm not their savior. I'm just a help to them. If I can be that, I'll be that to them. Okay. But, see, there's a world system and then there's a spirit system that operates by faith. So let's see the two here. First of all, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 12 says, Now, are you with me? Now we have received uh, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So see, if you have the Holy Ghost, you can know these things. But what I really want you to see in this verse, we didn't receive the spirit of the world. So there is a spirit of the world. See, the world, people in the world without God, there's a different spirit in them. The spirit of the world and the way the world thinks, this is what I wrote down, the way the world thinks, talks, and does, that's the spirit of the world. Are you listening? Yeah. I remember, uh, you know, the world says, if you get me, I'm going to get you back. It's got a spirit of revenge. Like, you do it to me, I'm going to do it to you even harder back when I give it back. I remember some guy pulled a, uh, uh, a weapon on me one time, threatened my life, and I was way up in some woods in another country. Uh, I was in Canada, and uh, two guys had the weapons, and me and my friend didn't have any weapons with us, and they threatened to shoot us, and you know, that's alarming. <laughs> Even though I was kind of a rough guy back then, I didn't have a gun, they pointed their gun at me, at my head. And I said, well, I think we need to just leave to my friend. And we were all friends up to that point, but just got, I don't know, they got burned in their saddle. I didn't anticipate that. I didn't antagonize that. And so I left. But I remembered that man that did that to me. And I, I, I fell in love with my wife here, Diana, and we got married and everything. And I said, I just want you to know one thing. If I ever see so-and-so, I mentioned him by name, I will stop the car and get out of my car and kill him on the spot. 
I'm going to pay him back. I couldn't defend myself that day. Do you think I'm terrible for saying this? Some of you have wanted to do that. Don't act so innocent. <laughs> yeah, and that just brewed in me. I don't know how many years. It wasn't too many, maybe four or five. And we, we both got saved, but I'm, I still told her, if I, if I see some, him on the street or in a restaurant, I will attack him. I just want you to know that. And that's the way, see, see, the world is still working in my thinking. You know, you do that to me, I'm going to get you back. And only more so. That's, you know, I didn't own a gun then. I did, when after I got out of drugs, I didn't want to own any more guns. And I'm not saying it's wrong to have, you can have all the guns you want. It doesn't matter to me. Do what you want to do. I just don't want any more. Because I came close, close, close to death so many times, either myself with somebody, somebody with me. Anyway. So, you know, I came out of church one day, Baptist Church. Can you believe it? I don't even know what he preached on. I had my wife by the hand. We were walking out the sidewalk. I said, you know what? She said, what? I said, I forgive so-and-so. She about fell out on the sidewalk as a Baptist. <laughs> and that was the end of that. I just let him go. I just said, Father, I forgive that. If he drives up now, I'll go over and shake his hand. See, that's a God's honest truth. Now, you think I'm terrible for thinking that. Well, you're just not bold enough to tell me your things. You, I know. Okay, just keep it to yourself. But I'm saying that to say that's the way the world thinks, acts, and does, and talks. You get me, I'm getting you back type thing. But that's not God. You've got to turn people loose. And even in the body of Christ, I've had people lie about me, malign me, tell other people lies about me that I couldn't defend from the pulpit. Even if you got mad at me next week and left and said lies about me, I'm not going to get up here and use your name. I just determined I'm bigger than that. I'm not going to do that. I mean, you're really listening. I'm just using that as a, it could go on 45 illustrations on, or 45,000 about how the world thinks and does and talks. But there's a different spirit for the body of Christ. Let's go over to 2 Corinthians now. We're still in Corinthians, but 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I'm not bragging about that. I was wrong to think like that. And I was thinking mean and ugly and all that terrible stuff. I'm so glad that God kept me from any encounter that would have, you know, put him in danger or me in danger or both of us. I'm just thankful. But 2 Corinthians 4.13, there's the spirit of the world, but there's also the spirit of faith. There's something called the spirit of faith. I'm going to read it to you. Verse 13, 2 Corinthians 4.13. We, the body of Christ, the believers, we having, not going to have, having the same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believe and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Notice it's called the spirit of faith. There's a spirit to faith. And sometimes, you know, I think, just listen to me a minute, I'm going to explain something. Some of you get so mechanical, I could teach you things that you could live by, but if you're not careful, you've got to catch the spirit of faith. Let me tell you something else. You can't catch the spirit of faith from somebody who don't have it. They don't have that spirit on them. They can talk faith and teach faith and everybody's, please, shut your Bibles, go home, nothing changes. But some of us have the spirit of faith on us. Amen. And you get around people like us, you can catch that spirit of faith if you want it. If you don't want it, it don't make any difference. But right. if you want it, you can catch it because it's not just mechanical. No. I can give the definition for faith, hope, and love, and I've taught all that for many, many years and studied it and tried to live in it the best I could, made mistakes, had to repent. But I'm just talking to you. But the spirit of faith is a actual, it's a spirit that you can catch from somebody that understands how to walk in faith. I'm doing best to teach you something here. 
You can't hold grudges and walk in faith very far. You can't hold unforgiveness towards people and, and walk in faith very far. It'll, it'll short-circuit your faith out. Though you have faith, it won't work correctly because faith works in a clean conscience. What that means, that's in Timothy. Faith works out of a heart that's not got a lot of problems in it. Spirit, not your physical heart, your spirit, man. If you've got a lot of resentment, hatred, bitterness, unforgiveness, that will just, I mean, you just shot yourself in the foot or worse because it won't work out of that. See, faith worketh by love, remember? Not talking about natural love, just compassion, but the love of God that's shed abroad in our heart. We start feeding on that. The love of God wouldn't do that. The love of God wouldn't say that. The love of God wouldn't act that way. So it holds us into a different a spirit. A spirit of faith works like this. And the spirit of faith has ways that it functions too because I put here uh, the spirit of, of the world is the way the world thinks, talks, and does, but the spirit of faith is the way God thinks, talks, and does things. It's the way that God thinks and talks and does things. He does things different than us. You know that? Not, not, uh, not to be contrary to us, but he's just in a different realm than us, and he's given us his word, so it's not like he hadn't given us instruction. This is the instruction book. You only got one. I mean, there's 66 books compiled, but you only got one Bible is what I mean. And all the instruction we need is in here, plus the Holy Spirit. Listen to me carefully here. Don't miss this. The Holy Spirit will lead you if you'll let him. I know some people that quote more scripture than I can, but they don't live by faith. I've been around them. They just talk a good talk. <laughs> How do you know that? I've observed. Are you listening? So spirit of faith has to be taught, and, and, and it's not manufactured, and it's knowing some things from the Bible, but this says, here's another key to it. I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore. So what I believe, I'm speaking. What I'm speaking is what I'm believing. That's why I say if I can get around people, and now if they know this, what I'm going to tell you, you know, they won't talk. If I tell you what I'm going to tell you, you get around people, I can, I can figure out where they're at in their faith life by what they say. <laughs> or sometimes through discernment. And I'm not the big snooper outer. I'm not trying to sniff everybody out, okay? Are you listening to me? I want you to know what I'm saying. But sometimes people just put on a pretty good front, but they don't believe a thing. Talk like they got it, act like they got it, and they don't have it. If you got it, it'll manifest. If you got it, it'll come to pass. Eventually, if you stay with things, it'll come, things will start changing in your life. Everything. Jesus changes everything. Quit singing that if you don't believe it. Jesus changes everything, or let's just throw the Bible and quit. This is how you learn it. I'm trying to help you. Amen. The spirit of faith thinks, talks, and does different than the world does, yeah. and they think you're kooky because you do this. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Are you listening? Yes. Yeah. You know, we, we, we see this a lot of times in older people even, especially. Like the nursing homes ought to be the most spiritual places on the planet. I've done a lot of thinking about that, but it's not. People are beat up and hurting and bless their hearts. I feel for them. I'm not making fun of that. But they didn't pay attention when they were 30, 40, 50, and 60. Didn't get rid of all the stuff I just told you. You got to get rid of all the resentment and the hatred and the unforgiveness. And I don't care who did what to you. Just forgive them, baby. Or just do without your faith working. And if your faith don't work, you can't have what God's promised you. Though he's promised you and it would work if you just forgive. 
and feed on the word until your faith is at a level. Here's another thing. Faith grows. Let me say it to you this way. I hope you're listening. Because if, if you don't listen carefully to what I'm saying, then, then it won't work for you either. You should push your faith out to the level it's at, but not beyond. Remember, I, I told you I had a spiritual son. I'm ashamed of him that he did this to me. Of course, he left me, but that's not the point. I'm ashamed of him. He put on his recorder on his phone, I'm a God-made billionaire, and I happened to bail him out financially, several thousands of dollars, several times. I'm not a cheap person. You tell me you're a God-made millionaire, you come to me crying and act like you can't pay your rent. That's stupid. You don't have faith to be a God-made billionaire. You could have said, I'm a, a blessed of God. Thank you, leave a message. It'd be simple, but people just try to get out there in some kind of crazy mentality, push it out there beyond their faith, and it ain't never going to get there. When I say God wants you blessed, he, I don't mean by that you have to drive the best car in the parking lot. Well, if you want it, that's fine. God don't care what you drive. He drives an angel. He rides on a cherubim, the speed of light, boom, 176,000 miles a second. That's pretty fast, baby. No speed limits in heaven. I was with Dr. Hannibal two days ago. I said, that says 80 miles an hour. Is that right? Yeah, and there's one over by the airport that says 85. It says Texas has the largest, the highest speed limits in the country. Praise God. You go to Germany, they don't have speed limit on the Autobahn. You can go as fast as you want. And if you don't get out of the way and you cause an accident, they're going to sue you because you didn't get out of the way. We're supposed to flicker people. You come up behind them. And if they don't, they just run you over. But you know, the, the German people in Audubon, they have very little accidents. And if they do, it's pretty much done at 120 mile an hour. But they don't have many accidents. People just follow the rules. Flip you and you get off, flip you the lights, I meant. I didn't mean. <laughs> Hold on now. Come back. Spirit of faith on you now. Come back. Love on you. All right. So let's, I want to give you a big key before we go today. And let's go over to Romans 12, a key to walking in the spirit of faith, Romans 12. I hope this is helping you, and I want to go back for a second. I felt like I didn't finish my comment. Push your faith out to where it's at. Figure out how to, now, and somebody asked me one time, in fact, I'm going to give you this as a bonus scripture. Uh, go to Romans 15 first before we go to Romans 12. I want to give you, how do you know you're in faith? That's a legitimate question and a very good question somebody should ask somebody that knows something. How do I know I'm in faith, Dr. Jacobs? I'm going to show you. And if you, don't, if you don't measure up to this, then stay out of that realm until you get to that point. How many know I was in fifth grade one time, but I never went back? I went on through, just barely, but I went on through <laughs> high school. And I was chasing girls and fighting and drinking and partying. I shouldn't have done that either. But anyway, God still forgave me and still used me. And I went on through that. And then later got, got delivered and got healed. God healed my mind. I went back to school and went to seminary. And then I eventually got my doctorate. And the guy that gave it to me was a very, very brilliant man. He said, you know, he just really spoke highly of me, which I was shocked. He was 80 years old, I think, when he came here to give it to me. And I was probably 50. And it was just really a compliment to me. I just, and I said, well, thank God that he's done that for me because I sure didn't do it by myself. I just couldn't even think when I, after I got off drugs. But I'm talking to you about use your faith to where you can handle it 
but don't push way out there. Don't try to go something that you can't do. How many know what I'm saying? If you know you can afford a $20,000 car, don't try to buy a $60,000 car. If you know you can afford a $150,000 house, don't try to buy a half a million dollar house. You'll be in trouble. And I'm going to show you how you know if you're in faith. This is good teaching. Really, I'm trying to help a lot of people today. Romans 15, verse 13. Now, the God of hope, he mentions that first because hope has to be in place first, whatever you're hoping for. Or we could even change that word hope to desire, the thing you desire, the thing you're believing for, you want to believe for. You have to have a blueprint or the hope for it first. The God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Here's the two qualities you have to have if you're in faith and you're believing, joy and peace. Do you have joy to do that? Do you have peace to do that? Or if you're uncomfortable about it, I just pull back a little bit. Maybe you're just trying to take off more than you can chew, they say. You know, bite off more than you can chew, you know that statement? But you could get somewhere later if that's necessary for you to do that, if it's in God's will and you're wanting to do that. Certainly you ought to be moving with God. Moving with God. Moving with God. Coming up higher with God. Really, I don't think so much about just maybe what I make or what people could do for me. I think about how much I could give and what I could do for others. And I keep that in the forefront of my thinking, if you believe it or not. And I just keep sowing and keep being generous. And God just begins to take care of me more and more and help me more and more. I learned that's a way to live. You can give your way out of some things. But I still don't try to buy things that I can't afford at this point. You know, if you buy a car to show it out, then you're going to pay for it yourself. And maybe you won't even be able to do that. Maybe you have to go bankrupt or something. I don't know. Just talk a lot of people have. But if you're doing something that God told you you could have it, I remember several years ago, maybe two cars back, car two back anyway, I said, Father, I really like that car, and, and, but I wasn't sure if I should try to take that on because it was kind of an expensive car. He said, go ahead and get it if you want it, Michael. I'll help you pay for it. You will? Yeah, I will. But I already tested him in other cars and other things up to that point. It wasn't like first, you know, dog, first thing out of the box. I'd been walking with him for 40, you know, 35 years probably or 30 some. And I said, well, I, I really like it. He said, well, then get it. And I got it, and he paid for it and helped me pay for it. Hallelujah. And it wasn't that I was trying to show out. I just felt like that's the car I needed and wanted to do. That's all. That's all there is. I wasn't trying to buy a Bentley, $250,000 car. We're just talking to you here. Are you listening to me? Bring it back down to whatever level you're on. But wherever you're at, stay there until your faith is increased, and then you can come where you can have joy and peace at this level. Remember what I just told you. I could have joy and peace at this level tithing, and I would put some of the preachers around me, this is 35 years ago, I'd buy them a tie or something, then start buying shoes for preachers and start buying other things for preachers and belts. And, so, and eventually I said, Father, I want to do more than that. Then I started buying cars. Or helping them buy cars. Few of them I paid for, I mean, the whole amount. But some of them I was able to help them get started in a fund at their own church to help people contribute and help them get to a place where they needed a new car. You know, I went to a guy who took me in a car one time in a foreign country. It, I mean, the thing had smoke in the back seat when he took off, and he had two young children. 
that he was carrying around in that city in the back seat. And it had duct tape on it and bailing wire and everything. And, and I said, you know, I, I just, God spoke to me, help you get a, a new car, sir. And, and his wife was on across the table and she pushed him back. She says, that's God, Dr. Jacobs. I said, <laughs> and she didn't want, he said, well, I don't know about that. I don't know. I said, you got a church full of people. How long have you been here in this church? 15 years. And 250 people. One of the best meetings I was ever in in my life. Dennis Hattaball was with me. He just, we were just talking about that meeting recently. In Chiclayo, wow, fire, fire, change. Anyway, it was just a great meeting. And I said, you got people in your church would help you get that in a moment. And he didn't believe me at first. And I said, well, just go home and talk to your wife tonight. Sleep on it and talk to him tomorrow. I figured she knew how to persuade him. <laughs> so at lunch the next day, I said, so what would you decide? Yeah, we, we think you could do that. That'd be fine. <laughs> and you know, a lady in, her, in his church, he didn't know this about her. She owned half the city. She just attended his church, dressed nice and whatever, but he didn't know she had that kind of clout, that kind of money. And I told him from the front, somebody that knows what they're doing, and you let them buy what they pick out, not what you think that you want to give them. You let them pick it out, and you pay for it. And a business person, even the business people in this church could help. Six or seven, eight of them, you could afford just about any kind of car you want. In Peru, I was in Peru at that time, that South American country. And that lady got six, seven guys together, or ladies that were in business, and they took, and plus the church, I gave them a chance to sow into it if they want to give 10 bucks or 20 in a bucket. I had some money with me. I put money in. And, you know, he got a new car. And he don't have to carry his kids around in a smoke-filled back seat where the muffler's falling off and there's holes in the floor and smoke's coming up. That's terrible. And he'd been there 15 years. See, people just never been challenged sometimes. Their faith was there to do it, but he didn't see it until I said something. I don't think the people knew to do it until I said something. I'm not taking credit. If there wasn't a response, it wouldn't have been God. I prayed before I got there. Anyway, praise God. So if you're not full of joy and peace in believing, you're not believing. <laughs> you're a hoping and a wishing. You know, that's like the people at the boat today. Come 7-Eleven, baby. Blow on that, baby. No, that's not the way we live. We live by faith. Faith is the most solid way to live of anything I know of. It's more solid than this physical planet. I've trained myself to think that way. I've got to think that way to prevail in my life. Faith prevails over everything that shouldn't be and causes you to have victory over everything you need. It doesn't come overnight, but it'll come. You stay with it, it'll come. Stay with it. And don't let other people talk you out. Oh, you're just too crazy. You're just too out there. You're just... yeah, many have tried. You're already flowing off my back. The water's flowing off my back like a duck, you know. Now, let's go to Romans 12. This is the key to us walking in the spirit of faith. I'm just about done here. Uh, Romans 12 and verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren and sistren, the body of Christ, sons and daughters of God. When he uses the word brethren, he don't mean it male normally unless it's stated sons and daughters. But normally when he uses the word brethren, it's more generic in the scriptures. It means the body of Christ. I'm just helping you understand when you read your Bible, think like that. I beseech you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Let me paraphrase. Don't do things with your body that's unacceptable with God. 
and, so he's not done talking yet, and, verse 2, and, so he's still thinking about it, uh, and be not conformed to this world, or we would say, because what I've taught you, the spirit of the world, don't let the world conform you into the way they think, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, that sounds kind of familiar to me, almost like the Thessalonians verse that we studied first, the perfect will of God. I don't know about you. I want to be in God's perfect will as best I can. I want to be in his good will and acceptable, but I want to push on and be in God's perfect will for my life in every area that I can think of, that I talk right, I think right, my, my feelings aren't out of control. My mind's not out of control. My flesh is not out of control. I'm working on me now to get this belly off, just so you know that if you're thinking that. I'm just helping you. I'm being serious. Get this belly off. But it says the renewing of your mind. If you don't renew your mind, this is the key. If you don't renew your mind, you're just like the world. I'm not attacking you. It's just true. If you don't renew your mind to think like God thinks and the spirit of faith thinks, you'll think like the world thinks and acts and talk. And when people say to me or think this when I'm preaching, oh, he's just way out there. I tried that once. It don't work. Well, the devil just shoved you back in your chair and said, stay still, sister. You're not getting nothing. You know, or somebody else say, well, I tried that and it didn't work. Well, again, triers fail. You have to do the word, and you have to be consistent, and you have to stay with things long enough until it does all the tumblers line up. You know what I mean by that? Like a safe. And I always go like this, like this is a safe down here. And, and like you see that, I think the Italian job, that girl had that medical stethoscope and had it up on the safe door. And you, you hear her, what she, she's hearing in her earphone, click, 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 and then she gets all the goodies. And that's what I mean. When your tumblers all line up inside of you, when you first hear this, I know what you think. It's too good to be true. It is too good to be true for the world because they don't think right. They don't act right. They don't walk right. But it's not too good to be true if you renew your mind and start thinking like God would think about you. He loves you so intensely. He loves you so. He is so thrilled. To see his people get healed and get whole, be made well, be sound in their mind, and everything else. Hallelujah. You just have to stay with it. You have to stay with it. You know, sometimes projects take a long time. I know it took them a long time to put that KFC center in that downtown there by that bridge. I watched it coming up. I watched the Marriott come up, the hotel, and then they built a, re a renaissance. Is that what it's called? The Omni, which just foreshadowed the Marriott's just a little pee on the pod now. I mean, man, that Marriott's way up. I mean, the Omni's way up there. I mean, tall-wise. I watched it come out of the ground. didn't seem like it was going anywhere at first because they're laying foundations, pouring concrete. You don't even see the guys. You have to almost look over the hill, over the hole, where they're down in there pouring concrete and laying pipes and steel and all that, and you go by and they got those things hitting it, ka thum you know, driving it into the ground so that it's stable. They can build up as high as they want. Same for us in our faith walk. Take some work and effort to lay some foundations in you. Get some stuff, concrete poured in there around that steel rebar. And all of a sudden, you're pretty strong now. You're coming to the first level. Hey, 
and then you can build a first floor, and then you can build a second floor. Problem is, people are trying to build a fifth story on an empty lot. It don't work that way. Well, I want what all you're saying. Well, you can have it. You, but it's not by your works, but it does take effort. Remember, we read this the other day and study. We we're teaching you about healing. You rightly, you have to study the word. You have to study the word. I'm already studying the word, but you have to study with me to some level to rightly divide the word, so you're not ashamed. That's why we teach this. That's why Jordan's putting these on podcast. People could listen to it over and over again. I may have said something you thought you got and you didn't hear. Catch that. Don't push yourself beyond your faith, but push yourself to the edge of your faith and then work on your faith at that level for a while and then you'll move up. But what do you mean up? I don't mean just a new car, new dress, a new tie. I get over that. But just accomplishing more for God in the planet. I mean, with the books that I've got in my heart to do, it's probably going to cost me $40,000. I don't know, maybe fifty. Well, I'm not saying I have that right now that I'm going to spend on that, but I'm going to eventually because I've got some books in me that need to get out and get out not just in English but other languages. See, I've got a vision. I'm not taking up an offering, so don't get uncomfortable. I'm just talking to you. That's just a, That's just a little side thought I have. All right. So let's go to Mark 5, one last scripture. We're at 55 minutes, ready for takeoff here. <laughs> well, I'm trying to help everybody. There's a lot to talk about when it comes to faith. I don't want to let you go half-cocked, as they say, and not listening to what I'm really saying here. Remember, if you have joy and peace in believing, then that's a good sign that you're in faith. And what I do is I find the scriptures that back up what I'm wanting to do. It may not talk about a specific thing, but the principles to find out that my faith is working, what I need to do to bolster my faith. And one of the things is I just told you, renewing your mind. If you don't renew your mind, the devil could talk you out of anything. I don't have time to teach you how to mark four, but he says he uses all these strategies to get you to back off the word of God. Pressure, family, Pressure due to circumstances. Somebody didn't understand you. Somebody made fun of you. Somebody antagonized you. No, I, yeah, it is good preaching. Thank you. I'm trying to preach what I went through myself, and I had to learn to not let other people affect me and had to learn to deal with all the pressures that come, just like Mark 4 says. I'm in Mark 5 now, but I wanted to read this one scripture as we're closing. Mark 5, 34, Jesus talking to this lady that had just been healed, I think she had that problem for 12 years, if I remember right, yes. And been to many physicians and none bettered and grew worse and so forth. She got healed. She was hemorrhaging. Verse 34 says, And he said unto her daughter, Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. Now there's two things here. Your faith will make you whole. Her faith made her whole. Notice he didn't say my powers made you whole. It was, but in conjunction with her faith. Because if you read the whole context, he's, multi, he's in a multitude of people like a throng, like you're at a big convention center and people bumping into you, not intentionally, but just because it's crowded. And you turn around and say, who touched me? Somebody would look at you with you and say, well, everybody's bumping into you. What do you mean? No, somebody touched me in faith. Something came out of me and went into a person. And she came fearing and trembling. I'm saying what the word said. And said, well, that was me. 
and touch. I'd been saying before I got to you, if I could touch the hem of his garment, I'd be healed. And when she touched it, the power flowed out of him into her and into her body and stopped that hemorrhaging. And so he says, daughter of thy faith, your faith hath made you whole. And then this I'd like to add, go in peace. See, you have to walk in peace once you get something. You have to walk in peace. Don't let anything disturb your peace. Other people try to disturb it. Other situations try to disturb it. See, men, again, I'm talking to you again about worry here. What are you going to do about the country, Dr. J? I'm praying for my president and my country to make good decisions. That's what I'm doing every day. And I'm laying down at night and going to bed. And I'm not sitting up worrying whether we're going to war with Iran or North Korea or anybody else, whoever you think might be the hottest place on earth to go to war with or whatever. You know. I just don't think like that. I, I'm just called to preach and live my faith out and walk with God, and I pray for you every day as a church that you'll grow and increase and be filled with the knowledge of his will for your life, that you'll listen, really listen with your heart and not your, just your ear, and really hear what I'm trying to say to you because I want God's best for you too. If I didn't, I could preach a little form of something religious, and most people would know the difference. They'd say, well, praise God, hallelujah. But I'm not like that. I'm, 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 and I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to challenge you to take a hold with me to God's best for your life. Like Brother Hagin says, if I believe for 100% and get 50, I'm ahead of most people that would settle for 10%. How many are listening to that comment? Most people settle for 2%, I think, just average. They got a 2% increase. No, we're believing God for the greater things to come so we could do more for his kingdom. Affect more people. Be more influential in, in the kingdom of God with, with humanity. All right, praise the Lord. Now, you know, I'm just uh, telling you, I was just, hallelujah.